The Aquarian Gospel of Jesus Christ, by Levi H. Dowling, 1920, at sacredtext.com. Chapter 53. Greater than Jesus passes the sixth brotherhood test and receives the sixth degree, love divine. In all the land there is no place more grandly furnished than the beauty parlors of the Temple of the Sun. Few students ever entered these rich rooms, the priests regarded them with awe, and called them halls of mysteries. When Jesus had attained the victory over fear, he gained the right to enter here. The guide led on the way, and after passing many richly furnished rooms they reached the Hall of Harmony, and here was Jesus left alone. Among the instruments of music was a harpsichord, and Jesus sat in thoughtful mood inspecting it, when, quietly, a maiden of entrancing beauty came into the hall. She did not seem to notice Jesus as he sat and mused, so busy with his thoughts. She found her place beside the harpsichord, she touched the chords most gently, and she sung the songs of Israel. And Jesus was entranced, such beauty he had never seen, such music he had never heard. The maiden sung her songs, she did not seem to know that anyone was near, she went her way. And Jesus, talking with himself, set out, what is the meaning of this incident? I did not know that such entrancing beauty and such queen-like loveliness were ever found among the sons of men. I did not know that voice of angel ever graced a human form, or that seraphic music ever came from human lips. For days he sat entranced, the current of his thoughts was changed, he thought of nothing but the singer and her songs. He longed to see her once again, and after certain days she came, she spoke and laid her hand upon his head. Her touch thrilled all his soul, and for the time, forgotten was the work that he was sent to do. Few were the words the maiden said, she went her way, but then the heart of Jesus had been touched. A love flame had been kindled in his soul, and he was brought to face the sorest trial of his life. He could not sleep nor eat. Thoughts of the maiden came, they would not go. His carnal nature called aloud for her companionship. And then he said, Lo, I have conquered every foe that I have met, and shall I now be conquered by this carnal love? My Father sent me here to show the power of love divine, that love that reaches every living thing. Shall this pure, universal love be all absorbed by carnal love? Shall I forget all creatures else, and lose my life in this fair maiden, though she is the highest type of beauty, purity and love? Into its very depths his soul was stirred, and long he wrestled with this angel idol of his heart. But when the day was almost lost, his higher ego rose in might, he found himself again, and then he said. Although my heart shall break I will not fail in this my hardest task, I will be victor over carnal love. And when again the maiden came, and offered him her hand and heart, he said. Fair one, your very presence thrills me with delight, your voice is benediction to my soul, my human self would fly with you, and be contented in your love. But all the world is craving for a love that I have come to manifest. I must, then, bid you go, but we will meet again, our ways on earth will not be cast apart. I see you in the hurrying throngs of earth as minister of love, I hear your voice in song, that wins the hearts of men to better things. And then in sorrow and in tears the maiden went away, and Jesus was again alone. And instantly the great bells of the temple rang, the singers sung a new, new song, the grotto blazed with light. The Hierophant himself appeared, and said, All hail! Triumphant Logos, hail! The conqueror of carnal love stands on the heights. And then he placed in Jesus' hands a scroll on which was written, Love Divine. Together they passed through the Grotto of the Beautiful, and in the banquet hall a feast was served, and Jesus was the honored guest. Dash. Chapter 54. Greater than Jesus becomes a private pupil of the Hierophant and is taught the mysteries of Egypt. In passing the seventh test, he works in the chamber of the dead. The senior course of study now was opened up and Jesus entered and became a pupil of the Hierophant. 
he learned the secrets of the mystic lore of Egypt land, the mysteries of life and death and of the worlds beyond the circle of the sun. When he had finished all the studies of the senior course, he went into the chamber of the dead, that he might learn the ancient methods of preserving from decay the bodies of the dead, and here he wrought. And carriers brought the body of a widow's only son to be embalmed, the weeping mother followed close, her grief was great. And Jesus said, Good woman, dry your tears, you follow but an empty house, your son is in it not. You weep because your son is dead. Death is a cruel word, your son can never die. He had a task assigned to do in garb of flesh, he came, he did his work, and then he laid the flesh aside, he did not it more. Beyond your human sight he has another work to do, and he will do it well, and then pass on to other tasks, and, by and by, he will attain the crown of perfect life. And what your son has done, and what he yet must do, we all must do. Now, if you harbor grief, and give your sorrows vent they will grow greater every day. They will absorb your very life until at last you will be naught but grief, wet down with bitter tears. Instead of helping him you grieve your son by your deep grief. He seeks your solace now as he has ever done, is glad when you are glad, is saddened when you grieve. Go bury deep your woes, and smile at grief, and lose yourself in helping others dry their tears. With duty done comes happiness and joy, and gladness cheers the hearts of those who have passed on. The weeping woman turned, and went her way to find a happiness and helpfulness, to bury deep her sorrows in a ministry of joy. Then other carriers came and brought the body of a mother to the chamber of the dead, and just one mourner followed, she a girl of tender years. And as the cortege neared the door, the child observed a wounded bird in sore distress, a cruel hunter's dart had pierced its breast. And she left following the dead, and went to help the living bird. With tenderness and love she folded to her breast the wounded bird, then hurried to her place. And Jesus said to her, Why did you leave your dead to save a wounded bird? The maiden said, This lifeless body needs no help from me, but I can help while yet life is, my mother taught me this. My mother taught that grief and selfish love, and hopes and fears are but reflexes from the lower self. That what we sense are but small waves upon the rolling billows of a life. These all will pass away, they are unreal. Tears flow from hearts of flesh, the spirit never weeps, and I am longing for the day when I will walk in light, where tears are wiped away. My mother taught that all emotions are the sprays that rise from human loves, and hopes, and fears, that perfect bliss cannot be ours till we have conquered these. And in the presence of that child did Jesus bow his head in reverence. He said. For days and months and years I've sought to learn this highest truth that man can learn on earth, and here a child, fresh brought to earth, has told it all in one short breath. No wonder David said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Out of the mouths of babes and suckings hast thou ordained strength. And then he laid his hand upon the maiden's head, and said, I'm sure the blessings of my Father God will rest upon you, child, forevermore. Dash. Chapter 55 Greater than Jesus passes the seventh brotherhood test, and in the purple room of the temple receives the seventh, the highest degree, the Christ. He leaves the temple a conqueror. The work of Jesus in the chamber of the dead was done, and in the temple purple room he stood before the hierophant. And he was clothed in purple robes, and all the brothers stood. The hierophant arose and said. This is a royal day for all the hosts of Israel. In honor of their chosen son we celebrate the great Passover feast. And then he said to Jesus, Brother, man, most excellent of men, in all the temple tests you have won out. Six times before the bar of right you have been judged, six times you have received the highest honors man can give, and now you stand prepared to take the last degree. Upon your brow I place this diadem, and in the great lodge of the heavens and earth you are the Christ. This is your Passover rite. 
you are a neophyte no more, but now a mastermind. Now, man can do no more, but God himself will speak, and will confirm your title and degree. Go on your way, for you must preach the gospel of good will to men and peace on earth, must open up the prison doors and set the captives free. And while the hierophant yet spoke the temple bells rang out, a pure white dove descended from above and sat on Jesus' head. And then a voice that shook the very temple said, This is the Christ, and every living creature said, Amen. The great doors of the temple swung ajar, the Logos journeyed on his way a conqueror. Dash. Section 12. Lamed. The Council of the Seven Sages of the World. Chapter 56. Greater than the seven sages of the world meet in Alexandria. The purposes of the meeting. The opening addresses. In every age since time began have seven sages lived. At first of every age these sages meet to note the course of nations, peoples, tribes and tongues. To note how far toward justice, love and righteousness the race has gone. To formulate the code of laws, religious postulates and plans of rule best suited to the coming age. An age had passed, and lo, another age had come, the sages must convene. Now, Alexandria was the center of the world's best thought, and here in Philo's home the sages met. From China came Meng Sweet, from India Vyayapati came, from Persia Caspar came, and from Assyria Ashbina came, from Greece Apollo, Matheno was the Egyptian sage, and Philo was the chief of Hebrew thought. The time was due, the council met and sat in silence seven days. And then Meng Sweet arose and said, The wheel of time has turned once more, the race is on a higher plane of thought. The garments that our fathers wove have given out, the cherubim have woven a celestial cloth, have placed it in our hands and we must make for men new garbs. The sons of men are looking up for greater light. No longer do they care for gods hewn out of wood, or made of clay. They seek a gob not made with hands. They see the beams of coming day, and yet they comprehend them not. The time is ripe, and we must fashion well these garments for the race. And let us make for men new garbs of justice, mercy, righteousness and love, that they may hide their nakedness when shines the light of coming day. And Vidyapati said, Our priests have all gone mad, they saw a demon in the wilds and at him cast their lamps and they are broken up, and not a gleam of light has any priest for men. The night is dark, the heart of India calls for light. The priesthood cannot be reformed, it is already dead, its greatest needs are graves and funeral chants. The new age calls for liberty, the kind that makes each man a priest, enables him to go alone, and lay his offerings on the shrine of God. And Caspar said, In Persia people walk in fear, they do the good for fear to do the wrong. The devil is the greatest power in our land, and though a myth, he dandles on his knee both youth and age. Our land is dark, and evil prospers in the dark. Fear rides on every passing breeze, and lurks in every form of life. The fear of evil is a myth, is an illusion and a snare, but it will live until some mighty power shall come to raise the ethers to the plane of light. When this shall come to pass the Magian land will glory in the light. The soul of Persia calls for light. Dash. Chapter 57. Greater than meeting of the sages, continued. Opening addresses. Seven days silence. Ashbina said, Assyria is the land of doubt, the chariot of my people, that in which they mostly ride, is labeled doubt. Once faith walked forth in Babylon, and she was bright and fair, but she clothed in such white robes that men became afraid of her. And every will began to turn, and doubt made war on her, and drove her from the land, and she came back no more. In form men worship God, the one, in heart they are not sure that God exists. Faith worships at the shrine of one not seen, but doubt must see her God. The greatest need of all Assyria is faith a faith that seasons everything that is, with certainty. 
And then Apollo said, The greatest needs of Greece are true concepts of God. Theogony in Greece is rudderless, for every thought may be a God, and worshipped as a God. The plane of thought is broad, and full of sharp antagonists, and so the circle of the gods is filled with enmity, with wars and base intrigues. Greece needs a mastermind to stand above the gods, to raise the thoughts of men away from many gods to God the One. We know that light is coming o'er the hills. God speed the light. Mathano said, Behold this land of mystery. This Egypt of the dead. Our temples long have been the tombs of all the hidden things of time, our temples, crypts and caves are dark. In light there are no secret things. The sun reveals all hidden truth. There are no mysteries in God. Behold the rising sun. His beams are entering every door, yea, every crevice of the mystic crypt of Mizraim. We hail the light. All Egypt craves the light. And Philo said, The need of Hebrew thought and life is liberty. The Hebrew prophets, seers, and givers of the law, were men of power, men of holy thought, and they bequeathed to us a system of philosophy that is ideal, one strong enough and good enough to lead our people to the goal of perfectness. But carnal minds repudiated holiness, a priesthood filled with selfishness arose, and purity in heart became a myth, the people were enslaved. The priesthood is the curse of Israel, but when he comes, who is to come, he will proclaim emancipation for the slaves, my people will be free. Behold, for God has made incarnate wisdom, love and light, which he has called Emmanuel. To him is given the keys to open up the dawn, and here, as man, he walks with us. And then the council chamber door was opened and the Logos stood among the sages of the world. Again the sages sat in silence seven days. Dash. Chapter 58. Greater than meeting of the sages, continued. Presentation of the seven universal postulates. Now, when the sages were refreshed they opened up the book of life and read. They read the story of the life of man, of all his struggles, losses, gains, and in the light of past events and needs, they saw what would be best for him in coming years. They knew the kind of laws and precepts suited best to his estate, they saw the highest God ideal that the race could comprehend. Upon the seven postulates these sages were to formulate, the great philosophy of life and worship of the coming age must rest. Now Meng Sweet was the oldest sage, he took the chair of chief, and said. Man is not far enough advanced to live by faith, he cannot comprehend the things his eyes see not. He yet is child, and during all the coming age he must be taught by pictures, symbols, rites and forms. His God must be a human God, he cannot see a God by faith. And then he cannot rule himself, the king must rule, the man must serve. The age that follows this will be the age of man, the age of faith. In that blessed age the human race will see without the aid of carnal eyes, will hear the soundless sound, will know the Spirit God. The age we enter is the preparation age, and all the schools and governments and worship rites must be designed in simple way that men may comprehend. And man cannot originate, he builds by patterns that he sees, so in this council we must carve out pattern for the coming age. And we must formulate the gnosis of the empire of the soul, which rests on seven postulates. Each sage in turn shall form a postulate, and these shall be the basis of the creeds of men until the perfect age shall come. Then Meng Sweet wrote the first. All things are thought, all life is thought activity. The multitude of beings are but phases of the one great thought made manifest. Lo, God is thought, and thought is God. Then Vidyapati wrote the second postulate. Eternal thought is one, in essence it is two intelligence and force, and when they breathe a child is born, this child is love. And thus the triune God stands forth, whom men call father-mother-child. This triune God is one, but like the one of light, in essence he is seven. And when the triune God breathes forth, lo, 
seven spirits stand before his face, these are creative attributes. Men call them lesser gods, and in their image they made man. And Caspar wrote the third. Man was a thought of God, formed in the image of the septonate, clothed in the substances of soul. And his desires were strong, he sought to manifest on every plane of life, and for himself he made a body of the ethers of the earthly forms, and so descended to the plane of earth. In this descent he lost his birthright, lost his harmony with God, and made discord in all the notes of life. In harmony and evil are the same, so evil is the handiwork of man. Ashbina wrote the fourth. Seeds do not germinate in light, they do not grow until they find the soil, and hide themselves away from light. Man was evolved a seed of everlasting life, but in the ethers of the triune God the light was far too great for seeds to grow. And so man sought the soil of carnal life, and in the darksomeness of earth he found a place where he could germinate and grow. The seed has taken root and grown full well. The tree of human life is rising from the soil of earthy things, and, under natural law, is reaching up to perfect form. There are no supernatural acts of God to lift a man from carnal life to spirit blessedness, he grows as grows the plant, and in due time is perfected. The quality of soul that makes it possible for man to rise to spirit life is purity. Dash. Chapter 59. Greater than meeting of the sages, continued. The remaining postulates. The sages bless Jesus. Seven days silence. Apollo wrote the fifth. The soul is drawn to perfect light by four white steeds, and these are will, and faith, and helpfulness and love. That which one wills to do, he has the power to do. A knowledge of that power is faith, and when faith moves, the soul begins its flight. A selfish faith leads not to light. There is no lonely pilgrim on the way to light. Men only gain the heights by helping others gain the heights. The steed that leads the way to spirit life is love, is pure unselfish love. Mathano wrote the sixth. The universal love of which Apollo speaks is child of wisdom and of will divine, and God has sent it forth to earth in flesh that man may know. The universal love of which the sages speak, is Christ. The greatest mystery of all times lies in the way that Christ lives in the heart. Christ cannot live in clammy dens of carnal things. The seven battles must be fought, the seven victories won before the carnal things, like fear, and self, emotions and desire, are put away. When this is done the Christ will take possession of the soul, the work is done, and man and God are one. And Philo wrote the seventh. A perfect man. To bring before the triune God a being such as this was nature made. This consummation is the highest revelation of the mystery of life. When all the essences of carnal things have been transmuted into soul, and all the essences of soul have been returned to holy breath, and man is made a perfect God, the drama of creation will conclude. And this is all. Backslash. And all the sages said, Amen. Then Meng Sweet said, The Holy One has sent to us a man illumined by the efforts of unnumbered years, to lead the thoughts of men. This man, approved by all the master minds of heaven and earth, this man from Galilee, this Jesus, chief of all the sages of the world, we gladly recognize. In recognition of this wisdom that he brings to men, we crown him with the lotus wreath. We send him forth with all the blessing of the seven sages of the world. Then all the sages laid their hands on Jesus' head, and said with one accord, Praise God! For wisdom, honor, glory, power, riches, blessing, strength, are yours, O Christ, forevermore. And every living creature said, Amen. And then the sages sat in silence seven days. Dash. Chapter 60. Greater than Jesus addresses the seven sages. The address. Jesus goes to Galilee. The seven days of silence passed and Jesus, sitting with the sages said.
The history of life is well condensed in these immortal postulates. These are the seven hills on which the holy city shall be built. These are the seven sure foundation stones on which the universal church shall stand. In taking up the work assigned for me to do I am full conscious of the perils of the way, the cup will be a bitter one to drink and human nature well might shrink. But I have lost my will in that of holy breath, and so I go my way to speak and act by holy breath. The words I speak are not my own, they are the words of him whose will I do. Man is not far enough advanced in sacred thought to comprehend the universal church, and so the work that God has given me to do is not the building of that church. I am a model maker, sent to make a pattern of the church that is to be a pattern that the age may comprehend. My task as model builder lies within my native land, and there, upon the postulate that love is Son of God, that I am come to manifest that love, the model church will stand. And from the men of low estate I will select twelve men, who represent the twelve immortal thoughts, and these will be the model church. The house of Judah, my own kindred in the flesh, will comprehend but little of my mission to the world. And they will spurn me, scorn my work, accuse me falsely, bind me, take me to the judgment seat of carnal men who will convict and slay me on the cross. But men can never slay the truth, though banished it will come again in greater power, for truth will subjugate the world. The model church will live. Though carnal man will prostitute its sacred laws, symbolic rites and forms, for selfish ends, and make it but an outward show, the few will find through it the kingdom of the soul. And when the better age shall come the universal church will stand upon the seven postulates, and will be built according to the pattern given. The time is come, I go my way unto Jerusalem, and by the power of living faith, and by the strength that you have given. And in the name of God, our Father God, the kingdom of the soul shall be established on the seven hills. And all the peoples, tribes and tongues of earth shall enter in. The Prince of Peace will take his seat upon the throne of power, the triune God will then be all in all. And all the sages said, Amen. And Jesus went his way, and after many days, he reached Jerusalem, and then he sought his home in Galilee. Continue to section 13, to be continued.